Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How's everybody doing? What's up? Good morning. My name is Aaron Beasley. I'm the Bantam Campus Pastor. And we hope that if you're a first-time guest, you have felt loved and welcomed. And what's up, Bantam Campus? What is up? What is up, Franklin Campus? What's up? What's up, everybody watching online in your undies? What is up? We are so glad that you are joining with us today. And we are so excited. Pastor Danny is on a study break right now. And so if you could pray for him as he continues to uh, pray and seek wisdom on where God's going to guide our church the next couple months and all that, that would be awesome. And last week, Michael Cass gave us the first week of the series that we're in that God never said that. And didn't Michael do a great job? Michael did a great job. Thank you, Michael, so much for speaking. He said that this is what he talked about, and you can go back to the podcast and check it out. He said that you can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anyone. And God never said that. And so today I get to bring something else to you today, but it's kind of heavy. I'm going to warn you, it's kind of a heavy talk today. And so if I'm getting ready to eat something heavy, I like to start with something light, right? I like to like bring with something light. And so I need some crowd participation in this moment. All right. So all of you, all of our campuses, all that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look to the people to your left. All right. Everybody look to the people to your left. All right, awesome. If it's your neighbor online, that's great. All right, awesome. Now I want you to look to the right. All right, everybody look to the right. Okay, all the people to your right, awesome. Now look at the people behind you. All right, now, yeah, that's right. Go ahead, look at the people behind you. Awesome, awesome. Now look at the people in front of you. Awesome, awesome. Because everybody's done that. Okay, on the count of three then, here's what I want you to do. I want you to point at the person who you believe to be the biggest sinner in the room. Okay, that's what I want you to do. All right, so here we go. Three, two, one, now point. Everybody point. All right, awesome. Some of you are pointing at me. That's good. All right, some of you point at yourself. All right, some of you point at your spouse. That's going to be a conversation afterwards. Awesome. Great job. Way to judge. By the way, welcome to Emmanuel, where we help you come to Christ and grow in Christ. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Now that we did that, see, we all judge people. It's really easy. It's really easy to judge people. You know, I have judged people. Maybe you've done this. In my 20s, I used to judge people who were parents. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that. That's not going to happen. Like, I'm never getting poop on my hand. Mm-mm. When I change diaper. Now I have a daughter. And guess who's gotten poop on his hand? You know what I'm saying? Not right now. I've watched it. But I'm saying like when you're changing the diaper, all right? Or maybe you're a dad and you're like, never getting a minivan in my life, never going to happen, not in my world, I can't believe those people drive it. And then all of a sudden your kids start hitting doors when they open it, and you're like, we're getting the sliding doors, all right, sorry, it's going to happen. Or maybe you're like me, you judge people, I mean, I judge people real hard for this by the television shows they watch, right? Maybe you judge people that way, and I used to judge people super hard. I mean, super hard if they watch this show. Because I was like, that show is garbage. I'm never watching that show. It's never going to happen. That show is The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Never going to watch it. Never going to watch it. And if you don't know the premise of the show, the show takes 20 guys or 20 girls, and they date a guy or a girl. And at the end, one of them gets proposed to and all this, and they find true love and all that and awesome. And I'm like, never going to watch it. Not going to happen. And then I got married. (laughs) And then you know what happens every Monday night at my house on the couch? We watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. We haven't watched as much this season. It's a little bit boring. But, you know, maybe you know what I'm saying is you've judged people for their shows. Like some people, they watch HGTV 
all day long. You're like, not going to do that. Why are you watching home improvement shows? Uh, And then all of a sudden you got into home improvement and you can't stop watching the show, right? You're like, Chip, no, don't leave. Why are you leaving us? Why'd you have another kid? Why? No, don't leave us, you know? And, and so, or some of you, you know, it's The Walking Dead. You're like, I'm never watching The Walking Dead. I love The Walking Dead. You don't like zombies too much gore. Okay, I get that. I understand that. But you know what? You know who's going to be prepared, uh, pre- uh, prepared for the zombie apocalypse? This guy right here. Just let you know, because I've watched his show. We all just be, or maybe it's comedy, right? Like The Office, who would ever watch The Office? And now you watched it seven times over on Netflix, all right? And anytime Netflix is like, we're going to get rid of The Office, you're like, no, you're never getting rid of The Office, ever. I love Michael Scott. See, it's easy to judge people. And I believe because of this, we've come up with a saying because of the way people have judged or in that way that God never said. And the statement is this, the statement is this, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. Or it's between me and God, right? Maybe you've heard that. And God never said this. Now, there's some truth in this statement. God is going to be the ultimate judge. He will be the ultimate judge. But God never said that. Because what people really mean when they say this is right here. There's no need for correction. Let me do what I want. There's no need for correction. Let me do what I want. And God never said that. He never said that. The verse that people get this from, or this belief, is from Matthew 7, where Jesus says this, do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And so people take that, and they're like, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. See, Jesus even says it. But see, Jesus isn't saying, man, you can't have correction. You can't be judged in a certain way. He's, he's talking about a certain type of judgment. And that judgment is this, right here, condemning judgment. God and Jesus, they're all against condemning judgment. And what's condemning judgment? It's this, to rule over others because we believe we are better. That's condemning judgment, to rule over others because we believe we are better. So let me give you some examples of what this looks like, what condemning judgment looks like. It's the woman who's upset with another woman because she's a liar. She lies all the time. And then she goes to all of her other friends and gossips about the woman who's a liar to make sure everybody knows how terrible she is. That's condemning judgment. Or how about the teenagers that get mad at their parents every time something wrong happens or the parents don't do something right and they're like, see, you did this, this. But then they go behind their parents' back and they do things they know they shouldn't do or they have fake Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts so they can get away with things. That's condemning judgment. Or it's the father who tells his daughter to dress modestly, dress modestly, dress modestly. You can't wear that when you leave the house. And then when his daughter leaves the house, he jumps on the computer and looks at porn. That's condemning judgment. Condemning judgment is one generation thinking the other generation isn't as good, right? 
Like, Generation X is like, oh, millennials, oh, they're so terrible, oh, millennials. And millennials are like, I can't stand Generation X or Generation Z, they're worse than me. And you condemn the other generations all over the place. I'm so thankful I'm not born in that generation. Or how about this one? Political parties. Condemning one party or the other. Well, my party's right and your party's wrong and everybody's, ah. That's the condemning judgment that Jesus is talking about here. See, Charles Spurgeon put it great. He said, none are more unjust in their judgment of others than those who have a high opinion of themselves. Man, isn't that a true statement? None are more unjust in their judgment of others than those who have a high opinion of themselves. That is condemning judgment. But see, later on, Jesus goes on to say, he's talking to the Pharisees because the Pharisees are mad at him because he's healed somebody on the Sabbath. And if you don't know who the Pharisees are, they were the religious leaders at the time. And the Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest. But Jesus is going around and he's helping people. He healed someone and the Pharisees are like, I can't believe you healed somebody on the Sabbath. Why would you do that? And so Jesus tells a story and then he says this at the end in John chapter 7. He says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus told me not to judge and now he's telling me to judge correctly. What's, what's he talking about? Well, Remember, he doesn't want us to have condemning judgment, but there is a judgment that Jesus got. They're all about, and it's right here. It's discerning judgment. Jesus and God are all about discerning judgment. And what is discerning judgment? It's this, to know right and wrong and choose rightly. To know right and wrong and choose rightly. That is discerning judgment. Or it's to help people know what is right and wrong, and help them choose rightly. See, this is why we have parents, teenagers and children. We have parents because we need discerning judgment in our life. We need to grow into what is right and wrong. And parents, this is why you have children and teenagers, because you need to grow in discerning judgment, and your teenagers and your children teach you things that you wouldn't know. See, God and Jesus is all about this. There's a whole book in the Bible called Proverbs. We love to talk about it here. It's all about discerning judgment to know what is right and wrong and choose rightly. Jean de La Berea, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He's a French author and philosopher. And he says this, next to sound judgment, diamonds and pearls are the rarest things in the world. Sound judgment is important. Getting correction is important. But today we've believed a saying, well, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. And I believe that we've believed the statement to be from God because we believe three lies of our culture. We believe three lies in our culture. The first one is this, you can't judge me because tolerance is above all else. Tolerance is above all else in our culture today. And I'm not speaking about the old definition of tolerance. About a decade ago, this is what tolerance meant. The old definition is this. All people have equal value. And at this church here at Emmanuel, can I tell you, we agree with this 100%. All people have equal value. Your gender, your race, your nationality, how much money you make. We, we believe all, all people have equal value. That is the truth. What your job is now... All people have equal value. But that's not what tolerance means anymore. 
It's changed over the last decade. And here's what tolerance means now. It means all behavior and ideas have equal value. And so we've believed this lie to where now we can't give correction to anyone. You can't tell me that. Only God can judge me. You can't tell me that truth. No, that's not right. Because all behavior and ideas have equal value, and that is not true. See, if I went out into the crowd today and I said, give me your wallet, give me your purse, give me your money now, you guys would be like, uh, no, not going to happen. But I would be like, uh, wait a minute, but I believe that to be true. I believe that I can take your money. And you guys would be like, that's crazy. That's not true. Because all behavior and ideas don't have equal value. Actually, we're, we have politically corrected everything so much so that it doesn't sound like sin, it doesn't sound bad, that we've changed words and phrases to make it sound better. And I'll just start with, sec- I'll just do sexual sin today, okay? So porn is no longer just called porn, it's called adult entertainment. Well, that doesn't sound as bad. Or having an adultery or an affair. We say, oh, they just stepped outside of their marriage. They just stepped outside of their marriage. It doesn't sound as bad. If we have sex outside of wedlock, outside of marriage, we say, oh, well, everybody is doing stuff. Everybody fools around. Everybody messes around. We've dumbed it down. We've made it sound better than what it is. If you get divorced... Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin of Coldplay made this saying famous. Instead of saying you got divorced, it's, oh, we were just consciously uncoupling. Consciously uncoupling. They said that. It's what their divorce papers said. We're just conscious uncoupling. Look it up. We, we say things to make them sound better than what they are because we want to be tolerant. And so then we believe that God said, well, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. And he never said that. Or it comes to, the, to the, next, the next one that we believe that all sin is the same. We believe all sin is the same. We believe this. So if you're a gossip or a liar or you're stealing or whatever, all sin's the same. Now, please let me know this. All unforgiven sin is the same. All unforgiven sin in the eyes of God is the same. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. All unforgiven sin is the same. But all sin is not the same. There are consequences, good and bad, for our behavior. All sin is not the same. I'll I'll tell you a little story. Six years ago, I was the children's pastor here at the church. I loved being the children's pastor. We only had one campus at the time. Okay, so it was crowded. The parking lot was crowded. If you've been here that long, you understand what I'm talking about. Like, it was crazy to get out of the parking lot. And I remember one day there was this big black SUV, about six cars in front of me, and I saw them. They didn't see me. And we were leaving the church, and I had to be somewhere. So, you know, I stayed as late as I could as the children's pastor. I got in the line, and then I was waiting. And this was before 135 actually turned, was two lanes all the way down. It actually turned into two lanes a little bit further north down the road, if you remember that. And so I remember that once it turned into two lanes, I went Marco Andretti style. You know what I'm saying? On the road, I was like, I was one of those people after church where, like, we're all going to get there at the same time, right? Like, so I was, I was going across the... And I accidentally, as I was switching lanes, cut this black SUV off because I didn't see them in my mirror. And so, I'm sorry, black SUV, please forgive me, I'm sorry. And they did the Christian thing, all right? They got in the other lane, sped up, 
and cut me off, all right, to make sure that I, they knew that I had cut them off. And I was like, okay, I deserve that. It's cool. It's fine. I deserve that. And then they did the next Christian thing, which is they rolled their window down and they waved at me. That's not what they did. They put a finger up and they flipped me off to this let me know. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Great. And so the consequences of that action were a little bit different. You know, like I was like, oh, you know, like I was kind of like, okay, like you just came out of church, you know, like maybe I had about like, I'm the pastor. Did you not know I was a pastor at the church? Okay, that's fine. God saw that by the way, you know, like God saw that. Um, but that was like the extent of their consequence, right? But if they would have ran me off the road, the consequence would have been much different, wouldn't it? Because all sin is not the same. As the youth pastor here, you know, if I gossiped about someone, I may get a talking to or something, but I'm probably not going to get fired. But if I embezzled money from the church, I was stealing money from the church, do you think I would still be working here? The answer would be no, because all sin is not the same. But we've believed this lie, and it's caused us to be like, well, I can't correct anyone because all sin's the same. See, Galatians 6, 7, Jesus, or not Jesus, Paul says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Or then Jesus tells us the same thing. He's talking to the Pharisees again because they're cheating people out of their money, but then they're making long prayers in public. And here's what Jesus has to say to them. Yet they shamelessly, the Pharisees, cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. Or then Jesus, right before he goes across, he's talking to Pilate, who was the governor at the time, who actually handed Jesus over to be crucified. He's talking about the person who actually handed him over to Pilate, and he says this, then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the what? Greater sin. Because all sin is not the same. And that leads us to the third lie that we've believed, and I think this is the biggest one, is right here. People, you can't judge me because people are hypocrites. You can't judge me. You're messed up too. You've done this. You did this. And we believe this lie to where then we say, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. And that's just not true. Can I tell you today, I'm the biggest hypocrite in this room today. I am. If you're a first-time guest and you haven't loved church or you're watching online because people are hypocrites, can I tell you today, we are hypocrites. All of us. We're all hypocrites. I wish it wasn't like that, but we're all messed up. We all make mistakes. And I'm the biggest one in the room. Just this past week, I was playing a board game with my friends. It's called Settlers of Catan. I love it. It's a nerdy board game, okay? I love it, though. And I want to win. I'm so competitive, like I want to win, all right? And so when people weren't, by the way, God's a winner, all right? God's a winner, so I'm just trying to be like God. He wins at the end, so I want to win, you know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to win, I'm trying to get, and so people aren't doing what I want them to do, right? They're trading with people that I don't want them to trade with. They're blocking me from stuff. I'm getting so mad in this game, and all of a sudden, I say some things that I shouldn't have said. 
out of anger. And I'm a pastor because <laughs> I wanted to win so bad. I'm the biggest hypocrite in this room. And if you don't get anything out of my anything out of my talk except for this today I believe that this would be a win I believe this saying right here it's right here is that God uses messed up people to help my messed up life can I tell you that today that God uses messed up people to help my messed up life I need people to help me it's why we want you in a small group it's why we have church every single week and we gather so that we can help each other get to the abundant life that Jesus has for us because God uses messed up people to help my messed up life. Parents, teenagers, it's why you have parents. They're gonna mess up, but they're here to help you. Parents, it's why you have teenagers. They're gonna mess up, but they're gonna help you too at times. Your neighbors, they can help you. Your coworkers, oh, your boss, they can help you, even if they're messed up, because they can point things out that maybe we need help with. It's why in 1 John 1, 8, it says this, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. You know, if you have someone come up to you and say, I have reached perfection, run, <laughs> run from that person, because they're lying to you. No, they have not. If we have no sin, if we claim we have no sin, we're not living in the truth. All of us have made mistakes. We are all hypocrites. But because we believe these lies, we've believed a saying that God never said, that you can't judge me, only God can judge me. So then how do we give and receive judgment in the right way? How do we give and receive judgment in the right way? First, we have to be humble. We have to be humble. Nobody likes to know it all. Nobody likes somebody who comes arrogantly at you. You have to be humble. I'll tell you a story about how this is true. Here's a picture of my daughter, Lucia. Isn't she super cute? Oh, I just want to grab her and hold her. She's 95% her mom and 5% me. So if you don't believe God answers prayer, here it is, right here. Just let you know. Yes. And this is my daughter. And so... The doctor told us that, you know, don't get her around a lot of people or don't put her in the nursery until she's had her shots, the two-month shots. And so now I've stopped judging parents who didn't put their kid in the nursery right away here at church because now I understand. Um, but so two months, you know, you got to get her shots, all that. Don't get her around a lot of people. And you probably don't know this about me, but I'm kind of a closet germaphobe, all right? Like I'll shake people's hands. I'll give you high fives. I'll give you a hug and all that. But probably afterwards, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm going to wash my hands, okay? Like I'm just going to wash my hands and all that because that's how it is. So we go to a family reunion because everybody wants to see the baby, right? Nobody cares about me and Layla. Everybody cares about the baby. Are you guys coming? Well, we want to see the baby, okay? So we bring the baby to the family reunion, Jasper, Indiana. There's a ton of people there and everybody's touching, holding, kissing our baby, right? And so I'm sitting there in the chair and I'm just like sweating, okay? There's puddles of water. I'm like, Ooh, oh God, oh no, please not on the lips. Okay, the head, that's better. And so, so I'm sitting there and so everybody holds her and so we get home and everything's fine. But the next day, my wife yells at me, I'm in the living room, she's in the bedroom, and she goes, Aaron, her name's Layla, Aaron, come here, hurry, hurry. And so I run back, and my little girl is just like, I don't know, she's spitting up, she's vomiting, there's just tons of milk all over the place. And I'm like, what, 
what's happening? So I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, Lucia's vomiting all over the place. She's spitting up. I don't know what's happening. Help! Um, and so my mom, my mom's like, okay, is she happy now? I'm like, yeah, she's happy. Does she have a fever? No, she doesn't have a fever. Okay, well, she probably just had spit up. And I'm like, that's a lot of spit up. Like, we've never experienced that. What are you talking about? She's like, that's just what babies do. You're lucky that it hasn't happened before this. And then I look at my mom, on, now on the, I tell her on the phone, you know what? This probably wouldn't have happened had we not gone down to the family reunion. <laughs> and my mom, very humbly, very humbly, she did say it in a humble way. She said, Aaron, if you don't change this behavior, you're going to push people away from you. Now, I think it's even harder to humbly receive criticism, right? So, of course, I handled it in not a so good way or humble way. And, and I said, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, are you serious? What? Okay, mom. And the reason why that is, is because all of us do this, right? We receive a criticism and then we either think about all the mistakes the person made who's correcting us, or we think of all the excuses we can make for the behavior that we have. And so I did this. I'm thinking in my head, I didn't say this to my mom, but I'm thinking in my head, well, you and dad got divorced when I was in middle school. And then this happened. And then you did this. And then you did this. And how about this? And you don't know my life. Like, this is literally what's going on in my head, right? And then I did the most responsible thing is I was like, whatever, mom, all right? And I hung the phone up. Like a teenager. And then I was sitting in my house and the Holy Spirit and God came to me and they're like, wow, great job, pastor. <laughs> and you're getting ready to take over the Banta campus? Hi, Banta. How's it going? I'm your pastor now. Right? And so I had to pick the phone up. I had to call my mom back and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You're right. Because it takes humility to give and receive. Can you imagine if my mom would have came to me and she would have been like, you're messed up. You're never going to get it right. You're, you're a screw up. No one's ever going to like you if you keep acting that way. Do you think that I would have accepted it even? You think it would have been worse? Yeah. It would have been like World War III. In the first service, I said World War II. I already know that that's happened. We hope that we don't get to World War III. But you know what I'm saying? I would have been so mad, like, ah. But that's why we have to be humble. This is why later in Matthew 7, Jesus says this. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, Jesus isn't saying, hey, get rid of every sin, be perfect, and then you can go to your friend and correct. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, be humble. Realize that you make mistakes. Work on getting rid of the things in your life. Become better and see what God will do when you go with a humble heart. That's what he's saying. Then go correct your friend or your family member or your neighbor. And that leads us to our second point is this. 
Love the person. You have to love the person if you're going to give and receive judgment in the right way. Some of us, we have to understand this. Are you more concerned about helping the person grow and take next steps, seeing them succeed? Our pastor has said this before. Seeing them succeed more than you're willing to be right. Because it's not about you being right. It's about loving the person so much that you want to see them grow. See, this is the problem with social media sometimes. Because we want to say things and be like, oh, well, I'm right. I've got this matter correct. In the political realm today, this is the issue. It's I'm right and you're wrong. So either get on my side or deuces. No, this doesn't help anybody. The real question is this. Do you love the person? Because if not, then don't say anything. Because you're not about them, you're about yourself. And that doesn't help anyone. And that leads us, and this is why in John 13, 35, it says this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus didn't say, being right will prove to the world that you're my disciples. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And that leads me to my last point. How do we give and receive judgment in the right way? Is this, is what does the scripture say? You notice I didn't start with this one. I didn't start with what does scripture say? What does the Bible say? You know why? Because nobody likes a Bible thumper. Nobody loves somebody coming at them and going, do you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? Well, Jesus says this. Nobody likes that. But I can tell you this, that what this book has to say is extremely important. Because it doesn't matter what I have to say. It doesn't matter what all of us have to say. What matters is what God says. But if we don't come with love and humility, then this loses its weight. And God understood that. It's why he sent us the ultimate form of correction in Jesus Christ. Because he saw we weren't living the right way. He's like, oh, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. So I'm going to send my son down to this earth to live the life that they couldn't. He was never a hypocrite. And then not only did he live the life that we couldn't live, he sacrificed himself for us because he knew we couldn't get it right. He knew we were all hypocrites, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again and he lives and he conquered sin and the grave. It's why we're here today. It's why we're here today. And see, Jesus has given us the church to help us. He has given your small group to help you. And he sent his son so that we could place our trust in a savior that could make all things right. And so today, I don't wanna believe that everybody that's watching online or everyone that's in this room today has accepted Jesus as their savior. And so I wanna give you that opportunity today. And so with every head bow and every every eye closed, I wanna give you the opportunity to accept Christ as your savior. And I want you to know that it's not the prayer that saves you, It's you trusting in Christ and what he did for you on the cross. It's believing in him, choosing to follow him. 
And so you can say something like this. You can repeat after me. You can say your own words to God, but you can say, Jesus, I've made mistakes. I've judged people. I've sinned myself. And I understand that I can't do this by myself. I need you. And so I'm trusting that you live the life that I couldn't on this earth. And that then you sacrificed yourself on the cross. And that you rose again and you conquered sin and the grave. And I'm trusting in you today. Because you gave your life for me. Thank you, Jesus. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Can we give it up for all those people that made that decision? Because that is the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. It's the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. And we believe that the Bible is so important at this church that we want to get you a new believer's Bible in your hand. And so I've got some friends in the back corners of the auditorium here at Greenwood in the back of the auditorium at Franklin and Banta that they will give you a new believer's Bible because what this book says does matter. It leads to abundant life. We believe that here. And then also what I want to ask you today is this question. How are you giving and receiving judgment in your life? Are, are you being humble? Are you humbling yourself? Are you doing it in love? And then are you going to what God says about the issue? So that then we can help each other move forward because we all need help. God uses messed up people to help my messed up life. That's my challenge this week. Man, how am I giving judgment? How am I receiving it? Am I doing it the right way? And then I believe if we do that, God's gonna move in my life and in all of our lives and in our communities, wherever we are. And so now I'm gonna turn it over to our campus teams and they're gonna come up with some announcements and they're gonna close our service out.